0: Your front door, your sanity. In this book, there are 13 different superpowers. What are superpowers? First is the idea of upstream work versus downstream is broken down into three phases. Today, my guest is Atif Rafiq. Over an impressive 25-year career, he has left an indelible mark on Silicon Valley and the Fortune 500. He is the man behind the groundbreaking system for problem solving that has become a game changer in the industry How have you been so effective in so many different industries? Because that is incredibly impressive. How do you basically excel?
1: It's very much tied to this idea of innovating into the unknown where I'm comfortable with the unknowns. I'm hungry for inputs. And so I think that just
0: ports itself very well to problem solving. What does an effective, innovative, process-oriented company look like? Welcome to Success Story. I'm your host, Scott Clary. Success Story is part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Quick question before we get started. Did you ever play the game telephone as a kid? You start with one message, but as people share it, it gets more and more distorted. Sometimes work can feel that way, but the last thing you want for your business is to get a distorted message across your team. HubSpot helps you say goodbye to that chaos by helping you get all your teams on the same page. It's all in one. Your customer-facing teams will absolutely love it. You track leads deals, support tickets, and everything in between, all from one spot. You need to know what your sales team is up to? Done. Want to see how your marketing campaigns are performing? You got it covered. HubSpot gives you and your teams all the vital customer info they need to create the best possible experience, no matter where they are. Save yourself the headache. See how powerful true connection can be. Give HubSpot a try. Your team and your customers will thank you later. Get started for free today at HubSpot.com. Today my guest is Atif Rafiq. Over an impressive 25 year career, he has left an indelible mark on Silicon Valley and the Fortune 500. He is the man behind the groundbreaking system for problem solving that has become a game changer in the industry, propelling his career to incredible heights and granting him unprecedented success. As a digital pioneer, he has worked with some of the most innovative companies in the world, including Amazon, where his expertise in strategic thinking and creative solutions made waves. His keen sense of innovation led him to become the first ever chief digital officer in the history of the Fortune 500, making a significant impact at McDonald's, but he didn't stop there. His relentless pursuit of excellence took him to top positions at other notable companies such as Volvo and MGM Resorts, where he continued to revolutionize the way we approach problem solving in the digital age.
1: I, I would point to a, a letter I wrote. It's a, a snail mail letter that I sent to the CEO of America Online AOL. some in your audience may not remember how uh, meaningful a company that was for the internet uh, and getting the consumer internet going. But I was 23 years old. I was working at a bank in New York and I wrote a letter. I mailed it, I put a postage stamp on it, I sent it to the CEO. Of the company, and I said, "Look, this internet thing sounds really meaningful, interesting. You know, is there anything I can do in your organization?" This was in 1996, and he actually uh, not only opened the letter, he gave it to another executive, and they called me back. So, I got a response to a cold outreach. Um, I started working at the company, and then I sort of got hooked on the internet and you know, digital businesses. And that's been the red thread in my career for about 25 years. So that is really the thing that set it off.
0: You've worked with, you've worked with some of the largest companies in the world. And you, I mean, yeah, some people who are listening to this may not know AOL. But if you think about, if you think about the internet in 1996, and then all the different companies that you've worked with helped transform, helped navigate, what are, what are some of the the things that you've seen change over time in terms of digital disruption? And what are the things that you've seen stay the same?
1: Well, I mean, typically, you know, in the tech industry, you have a charismatic visionary founder who gets the thing off the ground. And sometimes they, you know, they strike oil and their invention is so material and, and technology lends itself to, you know, one very dominant player in a space And that can give a company legs for a long time. You know, that can be 10 years or if they're a well-managed company, you know, let's say Google, you know, it can be around, you know, uh, 20, 25 years later and and still thriving. Um, But at some point, you know, you get quote-unquote professional managers into the mix. And Mm -hmm. then the companies that survive are those that actually have put some time in thinking around what is their system, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it's not just about, Well, you know, we're the badass, we own the space, um, you know, we got a lot of profit. Let's just hire the best people and let them do their thing. I think that era has actually just come to an end in Silicon Valley, uh, you know, here in the last couple of months where people are saying, well, we need to get more out of the talent. And so the company that I would point to, you know, like Amazon, for example, which has been from the beginning, very conscious about the culture it's building, the management system, you know, so whatever space you look at, whether it's grocery, pharmaceutical, books, you know, digital, digital media, that, you know, you have a common sort of way of tackling this new space, you know, they've been able to scale that uh, culture of invention and in their, in their, in their culture. Um, and, and, and now they can throw thousands of people at it. And generally, uh, they come out on the winning end of things. So That is one thing I've observed, you know, being in tech for a long time is, you know, you can be on the roller coaster, but if you want sustain, you want to be around for a while, you want want to be an enduring company, have to invest
0: in the culture and sort of the system of how things get done. So you, you, you feel that there have been examples and we don't have to, we can name names or not name names, it's up to you, but you feel that, and I, I I am fully in agreement, there have been companies that have perhaps not focused on the, the long term, because things were so good, and and, and money was so cheap, and, and companies grew that weren't even profitable, let alone scalable. Well, in the previous era, I was, um, I spent some time at
1: Yahoo, and I almost wrote a book about Yahoo, because quite frankly, it was so dysfunctional. Um, and, you know, it was a, a bit frustrating. And, and really, the backstory there is, again, two founders, they really came up with a great invention, but there wasn't enough time spent on how are things going to get done in this organization? You know, are we an engineering led culture? Are we a product led culture? Are we a sales led culture? You know, different technology companies have these different emphasis. Um, And as a result, it was a lot of um, sort of chaos, if you will. But putting aside, you know, Yahoo and the turmoil that they went through in the previous decade, you know, it, it can be something where you're successful and you scale and you continue to have a culture of invention that's very effective. And, you know, I, I point to, to Amazon just because, um, you know, the founder do, doesn't have to be in the room for, uh, for them to kind of solve problems in a similar way. And, and the book I've just written, Decision Sprint, is trying to offer that, if you will, mm-hmm. to companies of all kinds, but certainly, you know, younger companies, maybe they're hitting a growth uh, a growth wave and they wanna be conscious of, well, okay, we're not gonna be in the room for every big decision. How do we begin to, um, you know, teach our organization the best way to think about problem solving so that whatever
0: we work on, you know, we can, we can, uh, we can be effective at it. And, And decision sprint, that that is more or less the playbook for when you are a disruptive, fast moving company, that's the playbook for building systems and processes that will eventually allow you to, to, to become the next Amazon, to not that that's more or less what this book is meant to accomplish correct
1: well yeah it's very um focused on saying that look you know i cannot uh, introduce the big invention maybe that's up to the entrepreneur but if that person or team or organization uh wants to build something that's sustained and that is enduring right and continue to to innovate at a rapid clip then they need to think about you know what is was the system that they're going to Put in place so decision sprint specifically is about helping teams make the leap from a promising idea to action and the hardest part of that is always wrestling with the unknowns mm-hmm. and the unknowns and making them actionable is something which can be done but it's really not something that's been elaborated on in sort of other business schools or sort of in your management kind of uh, books uh, that kind of thing, but unknowns are really the heart of everything. Once you have a, a good idea, because in the beginning you have always have a lot more questions than answers. And how do you begin to flip the script where you begin to have more 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 confidence in your answers than your questions, you know, more confidence in the in in the in the answers, so that you can dr- really drive decision making. Uh, in the organization, if if you don't do that well, once the company reaches a certain scale and it's cross-functional and you have teams with, you know, different corners of the organization involved in in the innovation, um, you know, you can get <clears throat> a lot of symptoms around, um, you know, misalignment mm-hmm. and bureaucracy and fits and starts in projects. And of course, you know, we don't want that.
0: If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. really lay this out clearly and almost start with the end in mind and then we can reverse engineer some of the steps that you you outline in, in the book and the process and through your career as well and your experience but I want to start with the end in mind and and you mentioned Amazon which is a great but everyone's like okay great Amazon <laughs> that's fine but what does that mean for me so what are the what are the kPIs what is an effective uh, not digital transformation it could be digital transformation what is an effective I guess uh, innovative, process oriented company look like what are the kpis that are like we've done this properly we've set ourselves up we are sustainable we can maintain for the future we've sort of checked all the boxes what is that end result
1: um it's basically that you know you have non-decision decisions that's what i refer to these at because i've been in i've had these happy cases happen where um you know it's really clear to everyone in the room, even though they might be sitting in a different corner of the company or a different function of the company, what is the path forward? And we're really just thinking to ourselves, how quickly can we move on to execution? Now that is much easier said than done. And a lot of people in the audience will say, wow, I wish my organization worked like that because we spend weeks and months trying to convince each other to go down this fork in the road versus this other uh, option, so to speak. The way to make it go well is to really spend the time upstream, and that's uh, something I, um, I put emphasis on in my book. And um, upstream is is a body of work that people will recognize. They spend weeks and, and months on it, um, sort of wrestling with the unknowns, raising the right questions, trying to get to the bottom of those questions. After they do the fact-finding, trying to draw the right conclusions, from, from, a, from their um, kind of their deep diving and then putting recommendations together to get, you know, people who make decisions uh, in a position to say, okay, that makes sense, let's move forward. Um, <clears throat> this is something you can have a methodology around. It's not something you need to leave to chance or personalities. If you leave it to chance or personalities, you know, your your hit rate will go down in terms of the quality of being able to drive good ideas into action. And that's really why I put methodology as an emphasis, um, in terms of what will separate, you know, the next wave of companies from, from the rest of the pack. It's not just their core invention Mm -hmm. or e-commerce or, you know, something in social, it's actually the, the way, the, how, how the collaboration works and the company to problem solve and tackle
0: new ideas. Let's chat about something that's a game changer for business, NordLocker. Now, we all know that data is a big deal, but keeping it safe, that's a bigger deal. Malicious intent, hackers, unauthorized surveillance, you name it, it's scary as hell, but NordLocker has got your back. They are a super secure cloud storage platform made for businesses by the same folks that gave us NordVPN. Here's what's cool about NordLocker. The moment you drag and drop your files into it, they're encrypted. And it's not just lock and key stuff. We're talking zero knowledge architecture. This means that even the people at NordLocker can't take a look at your data. It's all yours. Plus, it's all about making your life easier as a business leader. It helps you tick some boxes for legal stuff like GDPR, HIPAA, CCPA, and you can access your files from any device, whether it's Mac, PC, Android. Not only does it keep your files safe, But it's a great tool for sharing encrypted folders with your team and managing accounts. They've got a 24-7 support team ready to help you out. So if you want to level up your business's cybersecurity, check out NordLocker at nordlocker.com. It's not just about owning your data, but it's about keeping it safe. Now, a special offer for Success Story Podcast listeners. If you want to try NordLocker 3 for three months, go to nordlocker.com slash creators and use the promo code Scott. That is three months of protecting your data with the most user-friendly and secure cybersecurity cloud storage platform. That's nordlogger.com slash creators and use the promo code Scott. So this this process, I think it's broken down into a few different pieces. So I wanna make sure that we're all on the same page. So this process, I mean, in this book, there are 13 different superpowers that I guess are, are the core concepts that people have to think about. But then it's, it's, even, it's even sort of drilled down to an even more simple framework um, of exploration, alignment, and decision-making. So I want to understand how those two concepts play. So when somebody thinks, say somebody looks at this and they're like, and we're going to talk about some of these superpowers, we're going to talk about this framework in a second. But when somebody thinks about superpowers, what does that mean for them? is that these are like the attributes or the skill sets or the soft skills hard skills what are superpowers but then also um that framework i want to go deeper into that framework as well great
1: so high level concepts are basically first is the idea of upstream work versus downstream downstream everybody understands yeah that's where we, we have the decision point we have the decisions and it's like let's go let's make a project plan and let's execute But I think we can all relate to the fact that we spend weeks and months trying to get to the decision point and getting our organization to say yes. And so this upstream part, you know, is broken down into three phases, exploration, alignment, and decision making. So let's take them one by one. So exploration is a concerted effort to surface the really important considerations, especially the unknowns, and get to the bottom of them. And you do this by starting with questions. Questions are very uh, democratic, they're very inclusive. You can get four people from a company that have different roles, different jobs, and you put an idea uh, in the center of the table. And the first thing that comes up will be all kinds of really interesting questions. To me, that's gold. That's not skepticism. And, hmm. um, you know, that is actually high quality input to say, hmm, what are the unknowns around this? What seems to be a promising idea? You want to do a good job of creating space for that. And you want to collect those questions before you race ahead to anything else, like having a judgment or an opinion or, yeah, trying to align on what to actually do. So, exploration creates space for getting all the right questions uh, on the table and trying to get to the bottom of them. That's phase one. The second phase is using the exploration to, um, to draw conclusions. If you're standing on high quality information and you said, okay, there was a bunch of things that we had questions around, you know, here's the sort of the discovery that we did. And now we're in a position to say, well, what conclusions would we draw from this? You know, what, what makes sense? Then you look at those conclusions and you, you try and bring people together to say, do we have alignment? And generally you'll find that people say, well, Hmm, based on this fact base, we've, you know, this is, these are some conclusions that we draw. And usually that's pretty layered. It's not just, oh, this is a good idea or a bad idea. It's many things. It's, yeah, we should do this idea, but we should also keep in mind X and Y. Mm-hmm. And, and so people, you know, it's really important to spend time saying, okay, what do, what do you see in your eyes? And do we see the same thing? When, <clears throat> once you're complete with that, that's when you're ready to drive action. And you say, well, based on these conclusions, what uh, what actions do we need to commit to? And that's where you usually are parting with dollars and resources. You know, you're walking through one-way doors sometimes, right? You're saying no to two other ideas and yes to this one. That is the time for action. So in the book, I break this down further into 13 workflows mm. where you could, you know, sort of set these up in, in your teamwork and basically create a path from, you know, idea, promising idea to the decision point. And hopefully that improves
0: the company's ability to say yes to the right things and no to the things that deserve a no. So ultimately at, at its core, not to, not to oversimplify the complexity, but at its core for people that are, are just wrapping their mind around this concept, it's, it's a decision-making process with a built-in feedback loop and that can be executed so my actual my question is that is that correct is that like a a good summary of it is that oversimplifying significantly <laughs> if it is i apologize cuz nobody some people some people have not gone into this level of of depth when it comes to decision making yet and i mean you're talking to a range of individuals and some people are just starting to make these big decisions for their business or trying to figure out okay at what point do i start incorporating this is this something that i I work with a, a, a small vendor. This is a this is something I should incorporate. I should put, um, you know, put an exploration phase out to the business to my co-founders. Should talk to them, or is this very specific, useful for very certain larger decisions that move the business forward?
1: It definitely applies to
0: companies of all kinds.
1: Although, you know, um, you know, if if you're on the smaller end, you know, five people or ten people, probably some of this w- can be done, you know very informally through through conversation. But once you start to get, if you will, functions in a company, you know, that's, uh, or any sense that there are any silos, then, then you, then you need something. Otherwise you're leaving it to chance of personality. The, the, uh, the, a good way to summarize this is basically it's a method which, um, promotes exploration, it promotes, starting with questions and yeah. suspending judgment on what to do because the human mind, as you know, uh, there've been some neuroscientists who've written about, and I talk about this in my early chapter around the way the brain works, there's system one and system two. And system one is for very quick decision-making you're in the forest and the tiger's there. Do you defend yourself or run kind of thing? And there's system two, which is much more about thinking twice about something, um, and which allows you to see a little bit more of the picture and the kinds of work we do in companies especially around innovation is much more system two oriented that part of the brain uh, where you need to think twice about it and question it in order to see more of the inputs now human nature and especially in companies you know uh, depending upon the personalities and the culture of the company you could be using system one you need to be using you have a system to problem yeah that's a very common occurrence in companies yeah right because people might think oh my job is to know exactly what the right thing to do is at all times but that's actually not the case the the better way to look at leadership is to know how to ask the right questions or get the right questions on the table
0: and and another another thing yeah. that I'm, I'm thinking people would have a big a concern with not in terms of the process but in terms of their own organization is you mentioned something you mentioned this is great to solve for this type of thinking the system one system two thinking but also silos so silos pop up in organizations i know that this is not directly related to decision sprints but it's probably something you've experienced do you have any tips for stopping silos from forming as much as possible is this a process that actually improves not only the decision making but by constantly uh, deploying this process you almost improve the the structure of the organization because it it breaks down silos before they would even start if done properly that's one of my passion areas, to be honest with you scott because um
1: i I think is one of the most baffling things in in companies is the um you know not initiating with another part of the organization that has some relevant input so the way I solve for that um and this is actually part of the first workflow in the decision sprint is um, grouping people around a common challenge so to look at you know a problem you're trying to solve in a company or a new idea and saying what competencies do we need to gather around this specific idea, this specific problem that we're trying to solve? When you start with that uh, from the get-go, you automatically melt away the silos because the opposite is, I think, more common, which is, okay, Who's point on this in the company? And it could be a person or some function. And there's no, no problem with that if they then say, well, we're going to do a much better job of problem solving if we get the right inputs uh, around you know what this you know what the picture is and what competencies do we have in this organization that uh, we can group around this common challenge so to me that's the mindset that we need to take and then you stop thinking about you know structures and layers and other things like that and you just start thinking about you know what is, um, for example, what Amazon will call a two pizza team, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not huge, but enough to feed um, the team with two, two pizza pies, right? Yeah, there's five or six or seven or, and that's it, however <laughs> you are. Yeah, but that's what you get, yeah. you know, and that's really wise, because, you know, it's not one or two parts of uh, corners of a company, especially in a large company that can really s- solve a problem, you know, holistically, right? So, Thinking about like being hungry for input, how do we get the right inputs to really solve this problem that will melt away silos.
0: And another, another point on that, because inputs are, are very important, but the larger the, even in smaller organizations, but the larger the organization, you're going to have endless amounts of questions that can be put through this process. So how do you prioritize the, the urgent and important?
1: it's definitely a matter of relevance. And so you're right where, um, I mean, interestingly, if you ask everybody, and I have a methodology in the book where I actually suggest people do this independently. So let's say you have this six person team and you want to get all the right questions to Mm -hmm. me, that's getting to first base when you're trying to tackle a new idea. If you ask them to independently, you know, sit down, write up their questions, send them in to one person. Um, you will find them a lot of common themes. So generally, um, you know, there's, you can group them together and do the pattern matching. And by promote, trying to get independent input, you get to see like a little bit of the heat map of where is the headspace of the team? Where are really the the, the questions that matter most? So I think what I would suggest is um, a, a little bit of uh, of that methodology where you kind of Try and promote independent thinking so you can get it wide enough, mm-hmm. uh, divergent thinking, but then bring them together, you'll see, you'll see the patterns. And I think it'll be a
0: manageable list. Interesting. So, so when, you've, when you've run this exercise, even though you have so many different business units, so many different personalities, again, you start to see the common threads. And I'm assuming that would mean you'd actually start to see the common threads in, 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 the, in the output as well. So when when a question goes through this process, you start to see the common threads in the actual answers that you're getting. Is that is, yeah? Well, it, well, it's the beauty of it, right? Is that
1: because behind everybody's question is sort of some uh, consideration, like a risk or fear or upside, or you know, is there a business case? You know, and so if you and the questions are very neutral because. You know you're going to get people to, uh, if you will, sort of agree that um, you've canvassed the problem right through the questions, and what happens is that people begin to set, um, uh, develop a lot of trust mm. uh, in the problem-solving effort because they say, "Hmm, well, I'm good. If if we do a good job of this this set of questions, I'm pretty confident that we'll be drawing the right conclusions and therefore executing the right decision." So you do what I call upstream is you bring that all the way up there and it gets to be much less contentious, uh, where, where people, because it's neutral, right? There's no, there's no decisions yet. So I think that's a really important part of this methodology yeah. is you or bring it to a neutral point, which questions to me are very much so in that realm. Okay,
0: so if you're like me, the last time you cared about learning another language and took it seriously was in some class in high school, and there's no way you remember anything about that language. For me, it was French. For a lot of people here, it was probably Spanish. But listen, there is a solution if you're going on a trip or for whatever reason, you just want to dive into a new language, uh, you want to culture yourself a little bit, you have to check out Babel. They have over 10 million subscribers, all learning new languages. And unlike school, especially high school, Babbel is fun and easy. It is the perfect tool for a dream vacation or just filling time, learning something that could be for a job, a spouse, whatever it is. Lessons are 15 minute long. They're centered around real life situations like travel or business, and they're designed not by AI, they're designed by 100 language experts people that know the language inside and out Uh, AI is great but it's not perfect so they offer 14 languages and they help improve pronunciation with speech recognition technology plus Babel's resources extend to podcasts games live classes they gamify uh, language learning and if you're not satisfied they offer a 20-day money-back guarantee now They've set up a special offer for all Success Story podcast listeners. You get six months of learning for the price of three. That's right. So if you buy a three-month Babbel subscription, they'll give you an extra three months absolutely free. What you got to do is you got to head over to babbel.com. And use the promo code success story. That is b a is B-A-B-B-E-L.com, code success story. Trust me, it's way more fun than high school French class. You know, it's interesting. You, you would you would have assumed because you I, I see the brands you worked with. Like to you know you, you didn't really you didn't you didn't drop names. So I'll drop names for you because you worked with. Uh, I mean, you have case studies from McDonald's, Hyatt, MGM, um, mm-hmm. Volvo, H and R Block, uh, Peacock, um, every, like some of the largest companies in the world. They, that are referenced in this book. And you would assume that they have um, a, a smart decision-making process, a smart a smart way to solve for this. But but what you're saying is a lot of these large organizations, not the ones referenced, because these are the, probably the positive case studies, but there are examples of companies that are not operating efficiently, that do not make decisions with this level of, of detail and, and scrutiny. Um, and I think that that's it's 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 wild to me that that you can grow to the size that you can grow. But you, like you referenced before, maybe the time of growing without smart decision making has come to an end. <laughs> so when you look at some of these companies, I mean, you have all these different case studies. It's, can you can you. Tell over a story or a case study that makes it very tactical, like the, the input, the output, a company going through this process, what the end result was to really uh, frame it. Because it sounds amazing in theory, but then you, you see somebody like McDonald's using, it, you're like, yeah, definitely. Like, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll adopt the strategy that McDonald's is using. It seems to be working for them. So,
1: Well, there are many examples, um, and, but I'll use one where um, I was part of the company. <clears throat> Excuse me. But that's not necessarily part of the initiative. And I think that's useful because, um, well, it, it works for anything, not just, you know, things that I was personally responsible for. So in this example, we think about Volvo cars and, you know, people think of Volvo in really two ways. One is, of course, a 90-year heritage of safety, but also sustainability is a very big pillar for the company and, they, and they're and they taking a very serious with everything in the product, so one idea the company has evaluated is the idea of vegan leather. and for those who are not familiar, you know there's a lot of emissions that come from cows. so if you depend on uh, less on cows for leather and you use vegan materials, you could be you know <clears throat> contributing to reducing emissions. Uh, you know so that's re- that's really interesting for the company. Now, it's one thing to have a meeting and say, well, what about vegan leather? And everyone get excited. It's another thing to look into the reality of that. And in order to look at the reality, you know, you have questions around the feasibility, right? Because you want to know if you can get enough materials to meet your volumes because Volvo is not a small company, right? There are a lot of Volvos sold across the world every year. So can you get enough material supply Um, traceability? right i mean there's no sense in saying you're doing something good for the world or the environment if you can't verify that it's actually sustainable uh, materials right there's cost factors i mean is there you know enough of these type of they're essentially plant-based materials um, available and what does that mean in terms of cost Um, and can that cost be are people willing to pay a premium for it or do they look at of an old fashioned leather is sort of the premium thing, right? So, you need to think through you know the business aspects of these. So, there are questions of all kinds here, um, at the least of which is the customer, right? And you know, customer preferences and is this something that's a niche thing, you know, and you're a cool millennial and are you gonna bite on it, or is this for you know the entire demographic that that is interested in Volvo? So, very multifaceted <clears throat> problems with um, a lot of questions in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And as you begin to, um, you know, get the right questions on the table, kind of group them by subject matter, you make these unknowns actionable. And that's really what I'm, uh, offering here. You know, the, with the methodology is you get the right question list, you make it actionable, you develop, for example, FAQs, uh, which is, you know, could be a three page document with the right questions and, and answers um and then you have you know a meeting where you say well based on this you know the working team develops some recommendations um and they try to create you know that connection between their their exploration and the recommendations that they make well now they're ready to meet with maybe the sponsors of this initiative and and, and put the high quality information on the table to say okay the right answer is is x for example um Let's take our newest, uh, people will love it. It's very interesting. Uh, let's take our newest car line, uh, the sleekest looking car uh, for the right demographic and let's introduce it and premiere it in this vehicle line and get some experience with it. So that's an example of how you can go from a promising idea, begin to tackle insert, uh, the harder harder questions here service you know by servicing the unknowns Mm -hmm. and get you know recommendations on the table for people to decide on
0: i love that um and and another another thing that i wanted to go into so we've we've alluded to these these 13 uh these 13 items that are are very useful to facilitate this process and you know again you go you'll go check them in the book but we've we've sort of covered some of them already we have to cover them we go through this process but are there some that are some of these attributes, I don't know what you want to call them, I call them superpowers, call them attributes, call them whatever you like, these 13 identifiers that are not uh, not so obvious in facilitating this process, are a little bit outside, like establishing decisions, crafting workflows, that makes sense, socializing knowledge within the organization, that also makes a little bit of sense as well, but are there some that maybe are not so obvious? Probably the, the most... Um, uh,
1: step people skip most frequently is sourcing input and viewing that as a Mm. a deliberate step in the process so we all do brainstorms right we say okay well well great news we've been charged with looking at this promising new idea this new product opportunity etc and then we hold a brainstorm um and this brainstorm can waver and vacillate between you know trying to uncover some of the important questions. And then drawing conclusions based on that, going down a rabbit hole on on one or two important considerations, uh, maybe someone having a, a pretty strong opinion on what the right uh, way forward is, um, et cetera, et cetera. And then kind of, uh, you kind of you uh, kind of have a middling outcome of this <laughs> brainstorm where you you're like, okay, we kind of pushed the ball a little bit, but <clears throat> we're not really clear on where we actually stand in terms of Uh, of tackling this. So uh, making, um, you know, the sourcing process, I have really rarely seen companies that say, uh, where are are you at with this idea? Well, we are currently sourcing input. Well, what in the world does that mean? That means, you know, (laughs) we wrote down the problem statement. We said, these are the four or five main competencies, or like, Um, you know, parts of the company that need to be involved in, you know, problem solving here. Uh, So that's on the team formation side. And we're sourcing input. We're getting people to ideally independently say these are the unknowns. uh, And we're making a list of those. And that's all we're doing. It's going to take us four days or five days. But after four or five days, we're going to have a really good question list organized by subject matter. We're gonna share it with our sponsor or someone senior and say, hmm, any blind spots? Anything we're missing? Because we're gonna spend the next couple of weeks trying to get to the bottom of this. And that in and of itself is really, not just good hygiene in executing or going about an initiative, but the fruits of it show up all the way through um, and they help you uh, avoid avoid surprises.
0: Um, is there and, and I want to I want to actually um, ask about a little bit of digital disruption, um, because it was interesting, you know, like when 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 your agent reached out, uh, I think there was actually a note about incorporating chat GPT and AI into some of the stuff that you speak about. And I thought that was fascinating because um, this it seems like a process, like a process improvement and and this can be great for companies, but there is a digital disruption. There is the mindset of if if you're improving process and SOPs within an organization, there's other things that can be added on and other things that your company should be looking at as just like a forward-looking company. It seems like a company that focuses on process improvement at this degree is also looking at other things that they can incorporate and include to literally make their company better. So, you work with a ton of companies. I mean, you you've worked with companies that have ha, that have innovated and disrupted, um, and have sort of stayed ahead, even though they're older organizations. And I wanna I wanna talk about that a little bit, but I don't wanna move off I don't wanna move off um, like the book and, and the content and that just yet. So I would say, is there anything that I didn't ask about? Any like ques- any questions? Any main points? And I'll, I'll get. Don't worry about like the the, the you know the links and the everything. That'll all go in the show notes. But. Is there anything that like, you wanted to bring out that would be really useful from the book that I didn't ask you about that would help somebody that's building a business right now? Well, um, it's hard for me not to bite on the AI piece because but the last couple of
1: chapters yes. of the sprint are on that. So if you don't mind. I oh,
0: that's just... how. OK, so explain to me how. OK, so I don't understand how it incorporates. Mm-hmm. OK, so explain to me how it incorporates. So how does the last few chapters of, of a process sprint incorporate AI? I didn't realize I was included in this. OK. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, a question answer system is really uh, very
1: complementary to ChatGPT. So let, let's take yeah. an example. Um, you know, let's let's uh, imagine a scenario where you're a CEO of a company. You, um, you you ask somebody or a group of people to go look into a new idea. Let's make it up a loyalty program. Uh, two weeks later, you had a meeting. They came back. They put a document on the table or PowerPoint. You know, however they're going to handle it. And then in the middle, the CEO also was uh, doing an AI based chat and kind of got, uh, leveled up on loyalty programs. Right. Um, now you're in the meeting, you're responsible for this idea and, you know, it, it wouldn't be ideal. It wouldn't build trust if the AI reveals important factors, considerations, or questions that the team had not integrated into their work. Right. And. This is the world we live in because the, um, you know, the AI has 4 billion web pages Mm -hmm. with all the existing human knowledge that's public around loyalty programs available and it can parse it and synthesize it and put it back in a natural language. And so you're going to have a situation that will happen if it hasn't happened already, where the CEO will say, well, I asked chat GBT and it, it thought we should also be thinking about X. How did you think about that in your proposal? And as a team, you don't want to be in that position. So what, uh, my concept here is I, I, we need to avoid weaponizing AI against employees, uh-huh. and we need to have AI enable employees. So a better outcome here or way for this you know, script to unfold is for the team itself to have use chat, GBT, to, if you will, uh, you know, do that deeper research and identify these important matters and considerations that are part of figuring out, you know, the pros and cons of doing a loyalty program, right? Now, the way that relates to decision sprint is, well, decision sprint is based on natural language, questions and answers, right? So you can definitely, uh, for example, take the answer you develop in a decision sprint and see if ChatGPT gives you something different. Maybe it raises a consideration that's a blind spot. I call that a suggestion if you want to take a positive constructive view on it. So you use ChatGPT to make suggestions to improve the quality of your work, let's say questions and answers, Mm -hmm. Uh, then you're on higher ground. I call this bar raising. So there's constructive ways to look at knowledge work and how we, use ai to you know make a knowledge work even a knowledge worker even better with their work product uh, as opposed to things like weaponizing it against people to say hey you know the chat was better than you are which is i want to talk
0: about the kelly road show i do not take my podcast recommendations lightly but i have truly admired kelly's journey from the get-go she was a fresh employee at a fortune 500 received seven promotions in eight years all this while building a company that blossomed into an eight-figure empire. Today, she's a best-selling author, top-ranked podcaster, the proud owner and co-owner of six thriving companies. And let's not forget, she's an Inc. 500 awardee, proving that growth isn't just a goal, it is a lifestyle. Now, her podcast, The Kelly Roach Show, dives deep into business growth strategies, specifically targeted for those hitting the six and seven figure mark, but it's not all business. She also explores the habits, mindset, and disciplines of the world's most successful people. It's a podcast. It's perfect whether you're just getting started or you're trying to up-level your success game. But here's the deal kicker for me. She is a super mom and a wife. She embodies the truth that you don't have to sacrifice your home life for success. She believes and shows that life-changing wealth, wild success, a happy marriage and a fulfilling home can coexist. That is goal. So tune in to the Kelly Road Show on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Trust me, it's time well invested. Does that make sense? It makes a ton of sense. I, I love that, and I think that. Um, so anybody, again, anybody who is looking to to improve their business and to and to grow their business, I think this. These are all tool sets that they should be willing to adopt. And and it would be unfortunate. It would be candidly very unfortunate if a CEO is weaponizing Chat GPT against their employees. I mean, that's a toxic situation. I mean, even pre chat GPT, if a if a CEO spoke to a, a board member and the board member had an idea that an that an entry level knowledge worker didn't have, and then the CEO is weaponizing that information, that would also be a toxic environment. So I think that would try and stay away from those CEOs that's sort of like a, a universal lesson but yes i do agree i think that chat gpt ai tools are just going to augment and and i think it's really it's really important to learn how to use them to, to, it's going to affect every yeah. business unit and it's really about trust right because yeah. you know it's it would be very short sighted to say hey you know
1: i can replace you with the chat it's yeah. not true uh, trust me but you know it's really about um uh, yeah not creating this culture of fear. Cause, and so we need to be able to integrate, um, you know, things like, you know, chat-based AI into the problem solving effort. And I think Decision Sprint is really perfectly paired with that because, um, you know, it's not a prototype, right? It's not yeah. a metrics report that comes, you know for the data science team, it's, it's words. And it's basically it's problem solving through questions and answers. And that 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 obviously fits um very nicely when I wrote this uh, a year ago. I couldn't have scripted how the
0: world was unfolded <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> it's it's working it listen it's it's working very well but but the process and the and the search for better information and for better questions to have better answers i mean that's that's it's it's timeless right this is always a a good thing for a business to adopt um so uh i guess but the question still stands that i asked before is there something that i didn't i wasn't smart enough to ask about this that we didn't go into that would be valuable so now i understand how the ai um component plays into it but are are there any other points that you really wanted to to leave the audience with well i think um i mean my passion is basically my passion uh,
1: previously for a long time has always been what are we making Mm -hmm. in the organization we're in right like what is the killer product or idea or business model for the space that we're in how do we rethink it and reshape our our industry and lead the pack and along the way i realized this eureka moment where it's actually the machine inside the company yeah you know the how how things um how we collaborate how we problem solve how we innovate that connect that is a thing in and of itself so there's the what and the how you know, I've been in resorts and burgers and cars and books. And so you can always think about, well, what's the next iteration of that? Uh, at the same time, you know, whatever the, the space or industry, you know, how the machine works internally to really get the collective intelligence out of the organization. That is sort of uh, my passion here. And, and I, I'm, I'm sort of advising leaders to spend... You know, just as much time on the how the machine works versus versus the what.
0: Um, and, and, and just like more on a, this is just a, an off the cuff personal question. How have you been so effective in so many different industries? Because that is incredibly impressive. So when you go from industry to industry to industry, just as a professional, I'm just curious, how do you basically excel in, in all these different industries without the experience?
1: Well, I think it, um, it's very much tied to this idea of innovating into the unknown where I'm comfortable with the unknowns. Mm-hmm. I am a question of personality and I just always suspend judgment, uh, even if I'm very experienced and I may even know the answer, but I'm hungry for inputs. Um, and so I think that just ports itself very well to problem solving. So, you know, if a company is sort of not very ambitious and they want to grow three, 4% a year and do the same old thing and take out some costs. You know, that's probably not a good fit for me, but if they need to ignite some growth, you know, figure out how, you know, to create some more, more engines, um, get those off the ground, have them scale really become kind of a platform for the next decade or two. You know, that's, that's new territory and that's sort of where I excel. So I'm a, a little bit, um, Advantage by you know,
0: yeah I was going to say know, getting good at
1: that to be honest with you, through repetition you know over time
0: well, it sounds like the 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 mindset that you take when you when you enter a new org is very similar to this decision sprint like it, it's almost like this plays at a at, at a company level, but it's almost like it can play out at a very personal level when you're trying to upskill and your yourself in a new uncomfortable environment that's that's the way I see it, yeah.
1: <laughs> Well, for sure. You know, yeah. like,
0: uh, for example, I have a
1: newsletter called rewire yeah. on LinkedIn and the tagline is method and meditation. Yeah. And maybe people don't understand where I'm coming from there, but you know, method, everybody understands, you know, some SOP, some process, you want to improve workflow. Okay. That's all great business jargon, but meditation is what you're talking about, Scott, which is uh mindset. So if you come in you say, um, you know, I am just sort of here to help us put the puzzle together. Mm-hmm. Tell me what the pieces are, you know, what piece do you see and what piece do you see? It doesn't mean I don't see pieces as well, but if I create that sort of um, environment and that space for all the right inputs to just flood in, right? And then we're comfortable spending time saying, how do we solve this puzzle? We're just we're just gonna do um, a much better job. and that's a different view on leadership than maybe people are used to i have a story in my book around you know coming to mcdonald's where you know uh being in a senior position people may expect me to tell them what to do or have the answer or share the answer from the beginning but it's not my it's not the way i operate it's not my um, um, it's not the mode in which i work even if i have a strong inclination i need to make sure we get enough input because that's why we have the people right And, and then we can kind of steer it. And by the way, when you see where people are coming from, then they're also more invested, they're more bought in, it clicks in their head, it's much more powerful. You don't have to be in the room then every time it'll kind of cascade uh, in a better way.
0: I love that. Okay. If people want to connect with you, if they want to go get the book, where are they going to go? Where do you want to send them?
1: Well, I have a newsletter uh, called uh, Rewire on LinkedIn, and it's one of uh, LinkedIn's most popular newsletters so you can subscribe to that um my book is available on my website decisionsprint.com and you can get a free preview or you can buy the book and
0: uh or you can be in touch so that's
1: those are the best ways to be in touch
0: amazing okay and i ask this question of everyone before we close it out you've had an incredible career written a book worked with multiple brand you know household name companies um at this point in your career what does success mean to you
1: success means scaling, um, impact. So, I mean, I get a lot of gratification if, you know, your, your, sort of, your average sort of project manager in the company says, you know, wow, this made the workplace better. Uh, I also like to say that as we made work suck less, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, it's like it, the workplace to me, cause the workplace. It can be, you know, very frustrating, right? In navigating the things that the companies say they want to do, and then getting them to the finish line, it's just more complex than it needs to be. So, the part of my motivation providing this method is to uh, reduce frustration. You know, make it um, more sort of flow state, if you will. Mm-hmm. Flow state for more teams and more companies. That, to me, creates a lot of personal satisfaction.